Senate President Jeb Bradley, I believe, joining us out of the gate on a Friday morning. Good morning, Senator. Hey, good morning, Jack. How are you? Good. How are you doing this Friday? Good. I uh, I don't know. Let's start at some local stuff because there are some interesting things, um, you know, uh, simmering, if you will, in the state house, and and one is uh, this question on, you know, uh, legalizing marijuana for recreational use. You'd, you'd there'd be some obviously controlled areas because you'd have to buy it. I think from certain state sites, the state would uh, manage it, like the New Hampshire Liquor Commission. I'm hearing, but this bill, um, where does it go? What do you think? What do you think happens this go around? Because in the past, the Senate has been more of a barrier, and the governor. What, what do you think on this one? So, I mean, first of all, it hasn't um, completed its full process in the House. Um, it has to go to the financial committees uh, to look at it. So we probably won't see it until April. Um, and then, you know, as has always been the case, there are a number of us, probably nine or ten um, senators that are no votes. There are probably nine or ten that are yes votes, and, and there are four to six that, um, you know, are on the fence. And so we'll see what happens. Um, I, I hope that if it's going to pass, and I'm one of the ones that's a no vote, but I hope that if it is going to pass, we put certain controls in place so that we don't have some of the issues that have happened in other states. Um, encouraging of the black market for marijuana sales because then you know you're getting marijuana laced with fentanyl public smoking um, no controls on how you know it gets to younger um, adolescents things like that so as I said we'll see what happens what what are your objections with it I mean I know it has to go through the house process but in general why are you opposed um Look, we're in the middle of a drug crisis, Jack, and, um, you know, we had almost 500 deaths in the last year that's just available of drug overdoses, many of them fentanyl, um, street marijuana, which I think, you know, if it's legalized, will come more into New Hampshire laced with fentanyl. I think that's a problem. The THC content of marijuana is much different than it was 20 or 30 years ago. It's much stronger. It definitely has health impacts. So that's why, you know, somebody like me is taking a go-slow approach. I think that the, you know, results in other states have, you know, not been all that great, quite frankly. All right, well, we'll see where it goes. And it's hard if it were to get, if it were to sort of, as you say, squeak through the Senate, any idea on where Governor Sununu is this time around, if it were to reach his desk? So the governor has said that if it's, you know, within the outline that he made public several months ago, state run um, in particular, that he could sign something like that. So, you know, obviously the proponents of marijuana and will have to make sure that you know, it is in that um, venue. I want to make sure if it's going to pass that, you know, some of the provisions that law enforcement has talked about that are necessary. In other words, no, you know, walking down the streets of Manchester, Elm Street, 
you know, smoking marijuana, I don't think there should be public consumption. I think there should be, you know, limits on um, THC content. So these are things that are going to be pretty important. And I think even, you know, for the swing voter votes in the Senate, they're going to be pretty important, too. So, like I said, we'll see what happens. All right, I did see, and I don't have it in front of me, Senator Bradley, Senate President Jeb Bradley, before we let you go uh, on a Friday morning, uh, some communications from the House side yesterday. There was something to do with electric vehicles, and, uh, you know, we know that nationally this thing has uh, sort of hit, a, hit a, uh, a peak, if you will, on, you know, trying to force a market. These are very expensive vehicles, uh, sometimes well over $100,000. A lot of people are just... Things are cooling off, let's just put it that way, for a multitude of reasons. But in New Hampshire, there was some measure yesterday in the House. Did you catch that? Uh, I heard about it, but um, don't know the exact details. But you're right. Um, you know, they're very expensive. The technology still probably needs to be advanced. There needs to be more charging stations. I mean, I'm driving a hybrid Jeep that is electric. Um, you know, it's an electric hybrid that uh, is subject to a recall now, and they don't know when they're going to have the fix. So, you know, I can't charge it. Cause, yeah. And I think, you know, that's why Americans are saying, um, tap the brakes here and, you know, make sure that people have gas vehicles that they can get to work and do all the things that, Americans need to do in their cars. All right, Senate President Jeb Bradley on a Friday. Make it a good one wherever you're driving, and uh, have a good weekend. All right, Jack. Thanks very much. Senator Lou D'Alessandro joining us as a regular on Friday. Good morning, Senator. Hey, good morning, Jack. Uh, great to have you back. You took last Friday off. We missed well, you. I had to, you know, I had to kind of take a little bit of a break, but Alicia always right. fills in great. How are you doing? She's terrific. Uh, good, good, Jack. Really, uh, very good. Thank you, uh, Busy week in the in the, uh, in the Senate. We got things done, which I'm very happy about. Uh, wrap things up as we head into the vacation week, and I think Senator Bradley must have been pleased with with that also. But, right. but I think Jack, uh, the key the key item that, that we're going to look at, and I think uh, your listeners will be very concerned about this, is the piece of legislation, late piece of legislation submitted by Senator Bradley. I'm a co-sponsor. Cindy Roosevelt is a co-sponsor and a series of other people are co-sponsors having to do with the Youth Development Center and how those claims will be treated. We upped the maximum. We we put more, uh, more juice into the minimum, hoping that more will go through the settlement process rather than the court process, but recognize the fact that this $100 million is not enough money and that this could go as high as, again, could go, I say could, and I, I underscore that, mm-hmm. as a half a billion dollars. Now, refresh the, the years in question and how many potential victims, um, you know, we could be talking about here. Talking about a 1,000. Wow. And we've extended, we've extended the time when they can file by, by another, I think, another six months. And... Uh, Jack, the payments have gone this way. The average settlement right now is around $480,000. There have been five settlements at the $1.5 million. That's going to be increased to uh, $2.5 million. And some of the other offenses have been expanded. So, so indeed, uh, 
if you can settle these cases without take them to court, uh, a the, the the people who are plaintiffs will get their get their their money, and uh, the process will be uh, uh, speeded up. But, but that's that is a very significant piece of legislation that dealt dealt with in a very bipartisan manner. So kudos to Senator Bradley, Senator Bradley, myself, Senator Roosevelt, met a number of times with the, both the Attorney General and the Administrator, former, former Chief Justice John Broderick, to try to work this out. It's got to be done. It's got to be worked. It's got to be worked out in, in a fairness way so that uh, those agreed parties will be taken care of. So good, good update, right, Senator. Let me ask you. Jack. Yeah, appreciate that update. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people. Um, Senator Lou, uh, one of the other issues, I know it's still going through the House process, but uh, the potential of legalizing marijuana for greater recreational use, um, even though it would be different than the other states in terms of how New Hampshire would set it up and how it would be dispensed and sold. But the point is the general bill, I guess it will go through the House process. It has to have a a finance look, but if it, if it were to come to the Senate, Senate Bradley, Senator Bradley just talked about it, said he's a no vote out of the gate, um, but he said it will be close, and it, and it could pass. It may not, but where are you on this? If this were, from what you know about it, if you had to say today, where are you for or against this? Well, I've been a no vote all along, Jack, and I will continue to be a no vote because I think there are many problems associated with this, many problems associated with this, but will it pass the Senate? I think if the governor exercises his juice, and he said publicly now that he will support a plan that calls for 15 dispensaries, and that that overview was brought forward by the chairman of the Liquor Commission. He asked the Liquor Commission to design a program. He said he would sign it. The governor's influence uh, will have to be present in order, for, in order for this to pass the Senate. Very close to the Senate, as you know. I've been a no vote all along, Jack. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old school guy. I, I don't think it's, I just don't think it's the right thing to do. And I look at it, oh, I mean, people talk to me about it. It's, it's going to be a financial windfall and so forth. I, I, I don't think that, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. I've, I've brought other things to the table that were financial windfalls. And I know that they didn't, they didn't get passed, but but indeed, I don't think this is, from my perspective, I don't think it's the right way to go. And the medical marijuana people, about 14,000 of them are using the medical marijuana in New Hampshire that we approved a number of years ago. What's their fate? I, I don't know. Someone's got to explain to me how they're going to get their product in the same fashion they've been getting it in, in, in the past to alleviate the pain and suffering that they're going through. I think it's a complicated process. The governor will play a very significant role in what happens in the Senate. It will pass. The, it's going to pass the House. We know that, and it will come over to the Senate. That's my best. That's my best pricey, Jack. All right. Anything else? And what, what are your thoughts on the recent um, fiscal committee passing the governor's request for eight hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for uh, the border proposed Jack. in terms of sending troops, New Hampshire troops, to support the southern border? Jack, I voted against it. You know, I voted against it. I said that it's the responsibility of the Congress of the United States to do this. There's a bill before Congress that funds this. There are 20,000 people on the border now. Fifteen more troops is not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend 800000 that could be could be spent in New Hampshire for very needy projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I applaud the governor in his willingness to support the border, and we did this in the budget by allocating $1.5 million for the northern border. That's the border that we have to protect. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the direct association with Canada. We have to take care of that. We appropriated the money uh, in House Bill, too. But spending this money to send 15 guys down south, they won't go there till April. They'll be there for, what, 30 days? Uh, I, I just don't think it makes it makes sense, both, both financially and uh, I, I think from a, from a moral standpoint, the governor has juice. He's got to exercise it on the Republican members of Congress who took two weeks off when this critical issue was debatable. Bad news. Let me ask you before we let you go, anything else? And then also, I imagine, you know, I think this spring you're going to start to see the gubernatorial race. Uh, both sides now heat up. Yep. The main the main Democrats running, of course, are Cindy Warmington, executive counsel, Joyce Craig, uh, former mayor of yes. Manchester. Are you going to be weighing in with an endorsement of one of the major Democrats? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to support uh, Joyce Craig. Uh, Cindy Warmington's a lovely lady, a great executive counselor. I think Joyce has done a great job as mayor of the city of Manchester. Uh, and I, I will support her. I've known the Craig family for many, many, many years uh, and uh, good public servants. So I'm, I'm, I'm on the Craig side for this one. And uh, I think it's a battle, obviously. And on the other side, it's a battle because I know both parties there, both are friends of mine. Uh, it's always tough when you when you have good relationships between everybody. I appreciate it, Senator. You have a great weekend. Senator Lou D'Alessandro, leading Democrat Thank in the you, Hampshire Jack. State Senate. Great American day, Jack. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep the dream alive and well. Thank you. Good morning, New Hampshire. Powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, welcome back on this uh, Friday morning, depending where you are. Could be a little bit of snow, could be a little bit of sleet, could be a little bit of rain, but nothing big. Just uh, slow down out there a little bit. Uh, roads are a little bit slippery. Seacoast, mostly all rain. Broadcasting live from Studio 2 in Dover. Jack Heath, Chadock on the boards. As we get going on this Friday morning, South Carolina... Uh, they'll do the primary tomorrow there, and Trump's expected to win fairly big and probably probably a bigger margin than New Hampshire's primary. We're joined now by Kevin Landigan, uh, New Hampshire Union Leader Senior Political Reporter, on a Friday morning. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Hey, Jack. Great to be with you. All right. Well, great to have you on Fridays. And what are you covering? Where do you want to start? Uh, I was talking with both Senator Bradley and yeah. Senator Alessandro about the potential of legalizing marijuana in New Hampshire for recreational use. Hasn't gotten through the House yet. Both are a no vote. What do you think will happen this time around on this? Because it's uh, fairly popular with the public. It's very popular with the public. And you made some news today, as usual, Jack. Um, we we knew both Jeb Bradley and Lou D'Alessandro were going to vote against this bill, no matter what it says, frankly. But, um, but I thought... Um, the Senate president laid out the landscape pretty well because uh, at the end of the day, this really is about the four or five members of the Senate, almost all of whom who are on the fence have served in the House and voted for legal marijuana in the past. So, But as you've been talking with both of them about, this whole program has changed many times over the years. And and there are people with very strong feelings about how to do this correctly. There are a number of legislators, especially on the Republican side, frankly, who are very pro-free market. If we're going to do this, it needs to be a free market, not a 
tightly state-controlled market. So some of those senators have felt that way in the past um, and may not look favorably on this particular plan, which, as you talked about, only 15 locations, the state is in charge of who gets them and who doesn't. Um, a lot of... Um, a lot of restrictions on ownership as well in this bill. Um, uh, Erica Leon, the Derry Republican state rep, who sponsored the bill and has kind of quarterbacked the amendment, has written it very carefully to try and both get a good vote in the House but also do it in a way that ultimately the governor could find supportive. So they're really threading the needle on this issue like they always are, but uh, it's it's certainly closer than it's ever been before. And it's it's got a legitimate shot this year, when in most years we've talked about this, and it's it's a no. You know, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. But um, uh, this, this one, as I say, um, is a real possibility. Mm. You know? All right. Um, what, but, what but, the, but, the, but law enforcement is as dead set against this thing as they were 20 years ago. And, mm-hmm. and they play, as you know, a big role in the state Senate in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the other reason why um, this thing is still going uphill to try and make it, and we'll see. Let me, uh, let me ask you this one, yeah. Kevin, before we move on. If it does, let's stretch it out a little bit. Say, say sure. it squeaks through the Senate and winds up yeah. on Governor Sinner's desk. Where do you think the governor is this time around? Um, Since he's it's moving a on. Really good co- it's a really good question, and I think Senator Lou hit the nail on the head, which is um, this won't happen, in my view, unless the governor leans into it and says and gets involved in the sausage-making and essentially in the Senate says, okay, the House has done this. It's, I, yeah, I, I don't like that. I want to tweak this. This I can live with. I mean, um, if he does that, um, this could happen. If he doesn't do that, to your point, you could end up with a bill that gets there, and he says, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, I'm not for that, <laughs> you know. Um, so... Um, and the other problem they have with this issue is, unlike let's, you know, check in, unlike the border, unlike parental rights, unlike balancing the budget, and unlike opposing taxes, this is not that important to this governor. You know, I mean, if he rides off into the sunset after four terms, and this doesn't happen, he's not going to lose um, a wink of sleep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just. He's, as you know, uh, somebody who's got his ear to the ground and always has. And he, uh, as you were alluding to, understands how popular this issue is and that in all likelihood it's going to happen in New Hampshire at some point. And I think he decided last year, and I think it was, it was shrewd on his part, to at least say to people, um, uh, you ought to know this is the only way I would support it. And now we may never get there before I'm done. But um, here's my stake in the ground, and here's what it has to have. And, and it's pretty specific. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of no's here that, frankly, the industry is not fond about. For example, no advertising, no billboards, period. Uh, and as you know, with that product, 
and generally when it comes to you know retail sales i can't advertise you know <laughs> i can't i can't put it on a billboard um uh but he's against it and um and no marijuana miles no you know sto- five stores on you know route 1 in portsmouth you know or elm street in manchester um and as you know in a lot of states where this exists that's where the money is right which is in a lot of these states um they create it's it's everywhere mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so um um but he won't tolerate that so um all right you know what what what's your take uh you've covered new hampshire so well yeah. in the primary so many times mm-hmm. looking at south carolina i know you're not yeah. there per se but yeah. what do you think's going to happen and where does that republican race for the nomination go for after south carolina yeah i um yeah, trump's going to win big tomorrow um of course and um and nikki haley's going to move on and uh, as we've talked about before uh, move, move on, move on from the race, or move on. Keep, she'll keep running. She'll keep, she's she's already she's already got events planned in Super Tuesday states. She'll keep moving on to some place where she can gain support, and she will run as long as the money is there for her to run. That's mm-hmm. where this stands. Now, you know, as a practical matter, it doesn't matter. I mean, this nomination is over, yeah. and Donald Trump's going to be the nominee, and. Um, uh, and, you know, and all these contests are really important and voters need to show up, but, um, but, uh, Nikki Haley's not a viable candidate for the nomination. I mean, um, but I think much like on the Democratic side, I think there's a big part of this Haley phenomenon that essentially says, and what I meant by on the Democratic side, what if, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, which is what if uh, Trump is convicted? And and what if um, he's sentenced to a term of imprisonment yeah. down the road? Yeah. Or looks like he's going to be. Um, and on the Democratic side, what if, you know, this president decides, um, uh, I don't have it for another four years and um and turns to the convention and says um here's who i want to replace me um Mm -hmm. so i think that's the other reason nikki haley is still out there but um uh, i one thing i'm sure about jack is their turnout in south carolina is -hmm. not going to be anything like the turnout in new hampshire i'm sure of that yeah well because we saw on the democratic side what um in that Democratic primary, South Carolina has to have the first primary on the Democratic side, and it was 25% of yeah. the turnout in New yeah, Hampshire. Don't, don't let those uh, important facts of voter participation get in the way from what the major parties <laughs> want. Don't worry about it. All right, Kevin, you have a great, uh, good stuff, great analysis on a bunch of fronts. Kevin Landigan, New Hampshire Leader, Senior Political Reporter. Have a great weekend. You too. Have a good one. Brad Card, one of our political analysts and all-stars, is joining us uh, at Card and Associates on this uh Friday morning. Good morning, Brad. Hey, Jack. How are you? Well, you're, you're, you're fired up this morning. No. Listen to, to that little preamble. No, I just had an allergy attack. That may be fired up, maybe. I think I had counted 12 sneezes. Have you ever had those? Well, I'm, I'm sneezing at some of the things that you said, but that's oh, well, all right. 
No, you can comment on anything. It's open game on this Friday. How are you doing? Any? Uh, where do you want to start? Tomorrow, South Carolina, what I was talking about? Take it away. Yeah. Well, you know, let me just say it on this. I mean, it, you, you can't have it both ways. Either Donald Trump told the investigators that he had no documents in Mar-a-Lago. He, he was emphatic. He said, I have no documents. I've turned them over. And he had a lawyer sign an affidavit to that effect. Knowingly false, right? That they had that he had those documents because now he's saying, "Well, I had the documents, but I'm entitled to have them." So there's a lie in there somewhere, Jack. And I've always said, and I maintain this, that the cover-up is always worse than the crime. And Biden opened up his doors, and Mike Pence opened up his doors, and investigators came in and did complete thorough searches and took documents. And that was totally acceptable and fine for everybody. uh, President Trump did not do that. President Trump said that he didn't have it. In fact, he instructed people on his staff, allegedly, to move the documents. And then he tried to delete videotape footage that showed that. So there's a big difference. But that all gets lost in everything because... What Donald Trump does is okay, and I guess the rules shouldn't apply to him. That, well, that's no. what he says. I know, and I know you're going to say because yeah, I'm not going to point out Biden or anything else. But I think two people have a very fresh memory when they looked at Hillary Clinton and the email server and all that, and everything that was clean yeah, and scrubbed. Yeah, two and, wrongs don't make a right. No, I know, buddy. I know, I know. But people you can't say, raise children like that. What I understand. I understand. I, I understand. But people have memories, and they look at this, and they and, think and it's a different about, standard. You, you've talked about Hunter Biden, and Hunter Biden is indicted and being prosecuted, as well he should be. Yeah, so, but... I mean, it, yeah, but just, you know what's funny? Just, you know, that came within an inch of not happening. If that judge didn't kick out the plea bargain agreement, Hunter would be moving on. And that was the only reason he's getting nailed on the tax stuff. But, Mo, I'm, I'm just saying, the people remember well, that, Hillary that's Clinton. That's always the way it is, though, Jack. That's the way, that's the, way the court system works. But, but, but you know what I the mean, inevitable conclusion is with about eight or seven out of ten people, not ten, seven out of ten, is two wrongs don't make a right, correct. But you people look, and they have a memory, and they formed an opinion that there's a different standard when it when it comes to going after Trump than Hillary and Democrats, that's just a feeling some people have. Right or wrong? Right or right or wrong? Right? No, right. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Right or wrong? That's a feeling. You know, if you look no. at the Mueller, the Mueller special counsel probe, all the stuff, the New York, the New York case. People just look at Hillary Clinton. Hmm, never yeah. charged. Never charged with anything. Um, and they just look right. and say, and, okay. And, 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 and I'm, I'm no I'm no Joe Biden fan, but there are there's a a a, a witness that came forward and was crucifying President uh, President Biden, and the House has taken impeachment as that is the was the major case, and then it finds out that this informant who came forward was lying and now is being indicted yeah. for that. So, so it, it does go both ways. I think it happens across the spectrum. I will concede it doesn't seem to matter when it comes to Donald Trump, and I mean that. I'm, I'm conceding that point. I think that people are just for whatever reason, I can't put my finger on it, that they are okay with Donald Trump lying. And they are okay with Donald Trump um, sticking his middle finger up to the system. And they kind of like it. It's troubling. I have real concern, and and you don't ever talk about, when the president talks about that it's okay for him to suspend the Constitution. 
think about yeah. what that means. Yep. And I've never heard you say that that's wrong. I've never heard you say well, that, I don't, that I, something okay, that okay, shouldn't I, happen. I, 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 what I point out in some of the things he says, I think that's crazy. But I also think uh, questioning Nikki Haley. Well, uh, no, hold it, on, Nikki Haley's, wrong, Jack, Nikki Haley's. Nikki Haley's it's not husband. Crazy, it's wrong. Questioning why Nikki Haley's uh, husband is not with her on the campaign trail when he's serving in the military in Africa is a, was an asinine bonehead statement as well. He makes them, that, but that, it doesn't that's affect a, that's his an asinine base. Bonehead statement, but it's actually more troubling to me. What's really more troubling to me is that he thinks that he should be able to suspend the Constitution. Yeah, that that should be that should send a chill down everybody's spine. What what happens after tomorrow? Uh, does Nikki Haley? Do you think uh, Brad Card Card and Associates? Nikki Haley stay in this thing to Super Tuesday? Yeah, like, like what I said uh, this earlier this week, Jack. I think that Nikki Haley, uh, if she wants to stay in, she should stay in. And it yeah. sounds like she's staying in, yeah. and that's what Governor Sununu's indicated as well is that she seems to be staying in, and she's in it for the long run. Like I, I'm, it's it's very difficult to find any path other than the fact that. Donald Trump is under indictment and and very well could be convicted. And if he is convicted, does that change the narrative? Does that change her prospects? So maybe she's staying in just with the hope that that happens and it changes the prospects. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, and it doesn't seem like that she's going to be able to be successful. And I of think all, that she might the, be doing herself some real long-term damage by staying in. Of all the uh, cases, because I don't know the trials, which one, which one is more likely to be settled prior to the general election where you could see a conviction and whether or not there's a sentence associated? Because these things are always delayed and can be appealed. But what is there a case? Yeah, I, which don't, case? I haven't followed it that closely, Jack. It sounds to me, I, I, the straightforward case to me is the, uh, the document case. To me, that's a pretty straightforward case. They have... They have evidently informants involved who, who have seen the documents there, who have co- contradicted um, the president when he said he didn't have any of these documents, where they said they've seen them. He showed them to people without the knowledge, and he acknowledged the fact that they're classified, and he shouldn't be showing them to them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a straightforward case. That, to me, would seem like, as, a, as someone who prosecuted cases in district courts, and who was a state trooper? That to me sounds like it's a pretty straightforward case, um, yep. and 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 so to me that's a, that's a no brainer to bring uh, to get to the system early. But the president is trying to claim that he has immunity and he he could do this. So that's all that has to be settled um, before they'll move forward. And the, the the name of the game for for Team Trump is to delay. Um, if they're delaying, they're winning. Yep. And that's what they're going to do. And that's not a bad strategy, given where he's at. And then he is using it as, look at me, I'm being per- persecuted. And that's how he's raised a lot of money. Yep. He's raised a boatload of money. Um, every time something happens, he comes out and he, and he says that this is a witch hunt and that it, he's a political prisoner. I mean, I mean... The other things that he said, I'm just thinking about the things that he said that deeply troubles me, is that we have a criminal justice system. There are people who storm the Capitol um, and, and, and that have been prosecuted through our judicial mm-hmm. system, and, and he is calling them political hostages. That should, that should scare people. Again, it that plays well to his base, right? <clears throat> well, it does play well to the base, I guess, but it should, I think, rank-and-file people wouldn't agree with that when they see police officers getting smashed in the face with yep. bike ramps and getting maced and getting smashed with poles that it, it is 
it's just mind-boggling. Or, or would, would he go, if he's reelected, would pre- President Trump, if he's reelected president, would he go so far as to pardon those who uh, were convicted or in jail? Said he, I think yeah. he said he would, right? That's what he said. And we're now we have it. candidates who I know know better, who I personally know and know better, and are echoing, and they don't feel this, by the way, yeah. they echo his sentiments because it plays well to a political base. Doesn't matter; they don't really believe it, right. but they, well, it, it plays well to their amazing, political base. Amazing politics in Washington dictating things. Hey, we have to run, Brad. Make it a great weekend, Brad Card, Card and Associates, political have analyst at All Star. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. Aaron Real, Missing News Radio National Correspondent, with an update on this Friday morning. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Jack. Yes. Yeah, so it turns out, according to AT and T, who saw the outage, they're blaming it on a software error when it was upgrading its network and not. A cyber attack, it left more than 74,000 AT&T customers unable to place calls. It was disruptive, to say the least. And, oh, boy, oh, boy, did the conspiracy theories fly on the Internet. Was it the Russians? Was it the Chinese? Was it a solar flare? Was it Netflix promoting their post-apocalyptic film about this very thing? They went on and on. But uh, as far as we know, the federal bodies that be, the alphabet soup, the DHS, the FCC, the FBI, the CIA, they have all said they're looking into us, which is good. But we have done this long enough, Jack. I'm sure you've seen it. Oftentimes, the most obvious explanation is just that. And I never underestimate the major three network carriers' ability to blow it when rolling out a software upgrade. (laughs) You know, it's interesting and uh, it, it a pretty big. Did uh, Taylor Swift uh, avoid the conspiracy theory on this stuff yesterday? I'm sure she did not. I don't know for certain, but if I was <laughs> betting, I'm sure she had something to do with it. All right, Aaron, we obviously News Radio, National Correspondent. Make it a great weekend. Thank you, Aaron. You too, Jack. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio, National Correspondent, joining us, previewing tomorrow in South Carolina. Good morning, Rory. Good morning, Jack. Yeah, what do you what do you sense and what do you what do you what do you think and what what are the the polls? Of course, the question is: Are they accurate? Are they eighty percent accurate? If they are, it looks like right. a big win for Trump. It does, but the other hook in this is that uh, it's an open primary, so Democrats can vote in this primary as well. But they may not be motivated to because, look, it's not going to happen. But if Nikki Haley were to win the nomination, she has a much better chance of beating Joe Biden. So what Democrat wants to support Nikki Haley, even if it is a, you know, a finger in the eye to Donald Trump, if they were to vote for her tomorrow? Well, they talked about all these things in New Hampshire. Who could vote? Democrats had to earlier than people thought. I think it was back in, like, October. There was a deadline. But independents could. And the feeling was Nikki Haley, if she were to trip Trump, would have to really get a, more than a majority, like 89% of all those independents, and obviously that did not happen. Right. And she didn't get enough of the Republican primary vote, which Trump seems to have a little lock on. So in South Carolina, I don't think I don't think any of that's going to matter. I think Trump's got a solid hold on the Republican primary voter, and that's what you need to win the nomination. That's why I think he's on his way. But then what does Nikki Haley do in the next two to three months? Where is she going? Uh, you know, I, I'm amazed that Super Tuesday is coming up so fast that March 5th is just, uh, what, 11 days away. But where is she in the party in the future? Because why does she stay in this? Is she just there as, as the candidate under glass, you know, break glass in case of emergency? Is that what she's doing or is there something else afoot? Well, it's, I think it's more the latter, but it's a good question. And if you, uh, you want, I'll actually give you what I think the strategy is. Sure. 
Uh, I think she's past the point of no return. I think if you remember Ron DeSantis in New Hampshire, he stunned everyone when Thursday before our Tuesday primary, he pulled out. He he ended it. He pulled out. Mm-hmm. And Ramaswamy and Chris Christie. And I think once she's once she's she's no pulling out now on Friday before tomorrow in South Carolina. So she's gonna you know take a a pretty serious drubbing. I think her strategy now is look at you're in this. It doesn't behoove you to get out now. Stay in. You're, you're going to lose more than you win, but you're going to rack up delegates. You're going to be a power broker uh, in the end, no matter what. So rack up some delegates in more friendly states. Try and get the donors to keep supporting her financially. And if something crazy happens, you're the only other one standing. But at this, at this point, become a power broker um, with delegates going in that's, that they're going to have to deal with you. And it, some would say it doesn't behoove her to do that strategy. But I think she's in it to hoping that some of these states – you know, after March 5th, Super Tuesday, some of these other states that she does better in and might get a, you know, might get a couple little, not a win, but a, a good little news, you know, a good little bump here and there right. and sort of finish this thing with more pieces on the table. But Trump obviously is going to be the nominee. So make her more of a power broker going into, you know, the summer is my guess. Yeah, well, and well, and is she trying to preserve 2028? Is that something that's in the cards? And, and maybe try to edge out DeSantis and prevent him from getting back in? Uh, Could that be. That would be a longer-term view. Could be, because I don't see her being a VP choice. He has, she hasn't been on any no. list. Uh, I don't see no. DeSantis either. I think she's I think she's sort of – everyone knows that this is it, if Trump's the nominee, that this is it, and that uh, you know, 2028 is a whole new ball game. So it's probably positioning, but she, you know, some would say she's hurting herself by staying in because a lot of the Trump supporters are not going to go away in the future, and they're going to be upset with her for making, you know, staying in beyond what she had to. But you know what? She has every right to stay in. So I think she's playing to be a power broker within the Republican Party, whatever that looks like after you know this uh, nomination process. And, but I also don't think it's a lock that she's the you know emergency ejectorcy candidate either. If you know if something were to happen and Trump loses a court case and gets prison time, or God forbid his health fails, I don't think she's the go-to for most Republicans either. Yeah, I I, I would not disagree with that um, because for whatever reason she did best the all the others in New Hampshire and made it a two-person race, but she's not scoring well in Republican primaries well enough. And the question is, if Trump weren't in the picture. Do they do the Trump folks? Do they like a DeSantis? Do they who do they like? And and I, I right. probably I, I'd agree with you there. So thank you very much, Rory. Thanks, Jack. Have a good weekend. You have a good one too, Tom Raffio. He's the uh, bullpen closer on Good News, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and Delta Dental Radio, and of course his great great book, his most recent book, because he has plural many books. Stories from the starting line with some good news. Tom, take it away. Thanks, Jack. Well, first of all, you're all fired up. I love love listening to your passion. So can you believe it? Next Friday when we talk, it will be March 1st. But this weekend, uh, tomorrow in Franklin at 10 o'clock, we have the Snow or No Go series. And from my snowshoer friends, there's enough snow in Franklin. It'll be at Prospect Acres. Starts at 10 o'clock, so, and we have loaner snowshoes, and all the funds raised go to the Tom and Deb Walton Scholarship Fund. It's been about a year since Tom tragically passed away, and we're still raising funds for his scholarship funds, and we've actually given out two scholarships this year already. So that's the great thing about um, 
getting out in the, getting out there because it's a great combination of wellness and uh, and charity and fundraising. And then Sunday, I'll be at your favorite spot, Jack. I'll be at uh, the Mount Washington at the Auto Road because there is a race that Delta Dental is sponsoring that uh, you can either run up the auto road in your snowshoes or you can use a fat bike so we'll see my wife ellen is doing snowshoes i'm going to make a game time decision i'm definitely racing tomorrow i'm not sure about sunday so we're looking forward to the mount washington road race and then i'll close um on this wonderful note i today had an opportunity to have a photo shoot in a in a um, area in Concord that has been impacted in a positive way by the New Hampshire Community Loan Fund, which is, you know, really promoting affordable housing. And we just recently, Northeast Delta Dental, gave a million-dollar investment to it. And so and it, and it shocked me in this respect that, you know, when that was announced that a number of people emailed me and said, you know, I got my first trailer home because of the community loan fund. So what we don't realize, Jack, is that, you know, in New Hampshire, we, we all work hard and play hard, but, you know, a lot of people are, you know, one paycheck, you know, so uh, it was great that uh, I was able to kind of see the impact of uh, affordable housing. And then as far as the running book, we added a new chapter, Chapter 12. I've We've uh, put those books into Gibson's and the bookery, and it's available on Amazon. So now we have nine Ninety runners um, that participated in the book, and, and all the funds there go to uh, dental or health for veterans. And for my veterans friends, we had a meeting this week with the Veterans Affairs Organization. And keep in mind, if you don't qualify for the VA and if you don't qualify for, qualify for Medicaid, just give me a call at two two three one three zero zero, and Dr. Mitch Curry and I will uh, take care of you. So that's yeah. the scoop. I know you got Steve going, and I'm looking forward to uh, listening to Steve and talking to you on Monday. All right, and what's uh, coming up on the show? Yeah, so we have a great show with uh, Rob Grable, and we'll be talking about soccer and a number of uh, topics like that. And uh, the, the radio show has given me a great opportunity to not only promote uh, wellness, but also um, community nonprofits. So um, thank you for that. Thanks for giving me that opportunity many, many moons ago, because as Jay Jog likes to say, I'm the longest running host with the <laughs> same show with curly hair. Now, people don't remember this, but you actually co-hosted with me until I got my feet under me. So yeah, thank you. There you go. <laughs> All, right, All right. Take care. Good stuff, Tom. Bye-bye.